What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon trading card games premiere podcasting duo. Now in season three, the world premiere. You're here, you're seeing it, or hearing it for the first time, and we're so excited to bring it to you. So, JW, how does it feel? How are you doing? I'm doing great, Riley. We uh, we just premiered our newest logo update, which uh, I'm super stoked about if you guys haven't seen that. Um, I mean, you probably would have if you're watching it later. If you're watching it live, you may not have seen it. You can go over to the Twitter. We've updated it there. Uh, but if you're watching it later, I mean, you've probably seen it when you <laughs> touched on the logo to download the podcast. But um, that feels really cool. I uh, got another few things in the mix here. We're doing the Full Grip Online series officially starting in two weeks from yesterday, which I'm stoked about. And yeah, we're starting a new season of Tag Team, which just all these things are really uh, big things for celebration. Yeah, for sure. And to clarify, uh, two weeks from yesterday would be um, the 15th. That's correct. September 15th. (laughs) Yep. And that's bi-weekly on Tuesdays? For now, we are limiting it to bi-weekly. We want to... um, you know, first of all, just just kind of take it slow to start just to make sure because, you know, Andrew values Andrew and I and also Natalie. I mean, just for the whole like full grip brand, just making sure that everything is like perfect for the players, you know, that there's no stone left unturned, that it runs smoothly, that it's just this great experience for players, because that's that's what it's all about. It's about you guys. It's about who plays in these tournaments and that they get the maximum experience. And so just making sure that we can, you know, don't promise too much too soon. Because I think there will be a pretty high demand for something like this because they know the quality that, uh, you know, that Andrew and, and I and Natalie and Full Grip in general just produces. So um, taking it slow could increase at some point depending on, um, you know, a few different factors. But, yeah, that'll be biweekly. Awesome. Well, if you're excited about that, the prospect of playing in a Full Grip weekly event, I mean... I'm sure a lot of people are already excited about the idea who maybe wanted to play in real life, but it's just, you know, too far away or whatever. Here's the perfect time to bridge that gap, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that sets this online series apart from other online series is just that, uh, you know, we will be doing a cash buy-in. And I think a lot of people like to play for those higher stakes and they like to play for those higher stakes on a regular basis. And, you know, five bucks, you know, for a lot of people, isn't like a a huge thing, you know, it's not like going to be cutthroat by any means, but you know, if you have 64 people and they each put in five bucks and the winner gets, you know, a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks, whatever it is, (laughs) that's, that's a great tournament. You know, that's a really exciting tournament. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be something that I think a lot of players will gravitate towards just because they could walk out of the event with a booster box or a booster box and a half and uh, really feel like they they got their money's worth. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love who doesn't love money? <laughs> well, I sure do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, JW, infamous <laughs> lover of money. I I have been known to enjoy money. <laughs> Speaking of money, I have been averaging. I've been doing my census walks. Uh-huh. Right, so going door to door, I've been averaging over a penny per shift. Incredible. I, I don't know what it is. I've been really curious as to why that is. Like, is it because I'm walking in certain, you know, economic areas, or is it because the houses are just more closely, you know, connected, or is it because like people pay more with cash? 
in this area? I I don't know. It's been really interesting because I only find pennies. I found like one dime, but I didn't pick it up because it was on somebody's front porch. And then like one quarter, which I did pick up because it was on the sidewalk. But other than that, I mean, it's been like 11 pennies. That's insane. So It is pretty crazy. That's nine it, shifts it makes and me, 11 pennies. It makes me wonder what's going to happen when, you know, the U.S. eventually rotates out the penny and makes the nickel the smallest form of currency that we have. Do you know how that, that how that process works? How do they well, do that in done, Canada? They've done it in Canada. So basically what happens is like... you have to like, like turn them in? <laughs> no, you don't turn them in. You still can use them, but like I think stores can choose whether or not to implement this system where you know they round up or round down. So if you're stuck with something that's like, let's say it's 0.93, then you would round it up to 0.95. And if it's 0.92, you round it down to 0.9. Interesting. And then you give, you know, kind of that rounded off change. But how do you like stop the circulation? You know, like how do you prevent them from continuing to move around? Uh, That's a good question. I am not sure about that. I mean, I'm sure there's some type of like government, maybe not buyback, (laughs) but like a, like a voluntary, you know, just turn us in your pennies and we'll give you the exact value back. Um, But yeah, I'm not sure how they would like phase out a coin. Yeah. It's a, an interesting topic. I'm sure there's like 20 YouTube videos on it. Yeah, I'm sure I, I'm sure I could find this out with like very little effort. <laughs> <laughs> so, for know, sure. Not a huge deal. Well, let's jump right into it then. So, talk of the town this week has been you know, one card in particular has really drawn a lot of people's attention, and that is our good friend, one of the most hated cards on tag team. Uh, Arceus, Dialga, and Palkia GX. Uh, yeah. We used to rag on this card all the time for how crappy it was in the context of the pre-Sword and Shield format. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> It's funny that it's reached the state that it has. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not, like, incredibly Ill- illogical or anything. Um, but, you know, here we are. And so, to give context for the unaware, um, Arceus, Dialga, Palkia, otherwise known as ADP, um, has the GX attack, Altered Creation GX. And so for the measly cost of a water and a metal energy, you can perform the Altered Creation GX with the additional effect of performing 30 more damage for the rest of the game on all of your attacks, not just Arceus, Dialga, and Palkia, all of your Pokemon, and taking an additional prize card. And taking an additional prize card is really the uh, the kicker there. You know, 30 yeah. damage is nice, but taking a, a prize sure. card is... I mean, that's freaking insane, so... <laughs> Well, well, it it really initially wasn't supposed to be so insane. I mean, you think about the context in which ADP was printed and the context where we were able to just rag on the card for being, you know, average at best. And you look at the attackers that it had water and metal attackers were not particularly strong. I mean, the best attacker that eventually made its way into the ADP archetype in... Uh, you know, what, three formats ago, was the Keldeo GX. And that capped out at 140 damage, I believe, for its attack. Well, there's also uh, the birds. Very... Say what? There's also the bird trio. Oh, the bird trio, sure. But the the kind of nice thing about the bird trio was that, generally speaking, I, I remember like the Victini setting up the, the ADP, setting up the birds. Yeah. Um, you know, it was taking 
way more time. So you, again, looking back at that context, you didn't really have those same attackers kind of that Zashin is, which is something that just one shots tag teams, um, blows most things out of the water, easily two shotting a lot of the V maxes. And the other thing that really, well, there are two other things that I want to highlight as helping ADP right now in terms of the context of the metagame that maybe wasn't the case pre-rotation or, you know, multiple formats ago when ADP was first printed was that our reliance on set up Pokemon. So you, you literally cannot play a deck, I think. Well, you can play decks, but it, 90% of decks right now, and certainly the tier one decks, all play the Dene and Crobat. You just can't really get around that. You need the speed. You need that, you know, aggressive uh, play that the Dene and Crobat can give you. And uh, the other thing that helps ADP right now and wasn't as much of a factor in formats past was, uh, you know, the lack of a fairy attacker to keep ADP in check. We used to have Mimikyu with its, you know, retaliate style attack that could hit into an ADP and, you know, reasonably one shot it right if they had used um, if they had used uh, an attack on the on the previous turn. And we just don't have those fairy attackers. So you're leaving this thing kind of unchecked in this weird sword and shield meta where it, it really wasn't as bad before because the context around the card was different. Yeah, I would actually I'd like to digest the arguments a little further because I think ADP was still a problematic card from a design sure. standpoint sure. since release. Sure. Um, so the the crux of the arguments um, boiled down to the fact that ADP accelerates the game inherently by taking extra prize cards. The game is faster, um, and what that'll do is the the main example people will point to. Although I, this is not the only affected archetype, is the one prize decks. Um, the one prize decks will lose in four turns, basically. The Ultra Creation GX turn and the three knockouts subsequently. Uh, whereas previously, they would have you know six to seven turns to win the game. Um, and those turns are honestly crucial, because normally one prize decks, with the exception of Baby Cephalon, which is pretty much the only one that remains viable to this day, um, they have to trade multiple yeah. attacks. And that's the idea. Yeah. is like you're, you're swinging multiple times. You know, maybe you get one big knockout in the middle there but you're trading favorably because the prize exchange is in your favor because you're using these weaker one prize attackers and the the trade-off for that is you know you have weaker attackers inherently um you have less consistency because you don't play as many like draw pokemon sure um, your attacks are usually like more complicated to use so you trade off that inconsistency for favorable prize exchange and that that element is just completely removed with adp for the most part i mean there's not like a realistic way that most one prize decks can trade into it. So that's a, that's one fault of the card. Another one was like what you pointed out where there's a lot of support Pokemon that are two prizes that now lose half the game by themselves. And so if you play two of those Pokemon down ADP attacks twice to win, yeah. um, which I mean, that sucks. And, and part of the reason yeah. it sucks is because ADP has a plethora of non three prize attackers. So even if you knock out, um, <sighs> You knock out the ADP, and this is this is my counter argument to your fairy weakness thing. Sure. Uh, so sure. even if you knock out the ADP instantly, <laughs> as soon as altered creations, uh, they still have two attackers that you have to go through because they they won't put another three prizer on the board. 
So like yeah. the, the prize math is just very good for ADP, and they yeah. have a lot of ways to to manipulate the game state in their favor. Um, and I would say the cards like Mimikyu wouldn't be that big of a deal now because you know it's a it's a responsive card. Like you have to sure. use it and after ADP attacks. Yeah, no, no, no. Like of course, but I think the for me it's like you're never really uh, maybe Eternatus if you have everything go right. Like there's really never a chance for you to gust up an ADP like. Uh, before even you know taking out Mimikyu because of course that's a reactive card but even so like if they had some kind of uh, fairy archetype or fairy attacker that could reliably like gust up an sure. ADP before it's GX attack I mean that that would give some kind of counter I mean that would just be an absurd card right if it could do well, sure. 140 I mean, damage I mean, before yeah. ADP gets two attachments <laughs> <laughs> I mean I would play that card anyway <laughs> sounds pretty good uh, but, yeah. but you're right. The removal of fairy type obviously removes some weaknesses for ADP. But yeah. I would also say the addition of Zacian already kind of served that effect, right? Where you could not sure. play Gardevoir anyway to beat up on ADPs because sure. Zacian would tear through them for four sure. prizes each. It's yeah. just like there's no, there's no. Gardevoir is still legal. You can play it if you really want to. <laughs> really, the the fairy weakness argument ties in for me more to just support the argument that ADP was never meant for this format. Right. Like ADP I mean, wasn't ADP wasn't supposed to be here. You know, it was the kid that uh it was the cool kid that got invited to the nerd party. You know, yeah, it like I really mean, like, wasn't a card that was designed for Sword and Shield on. I, I mean I kind of agree, but I mean you make you can make those same arguments for every time we have like a set block, right? Like this XY cards weren't meant to be played with the Sword and Shield or the, the Sun and Moon cards and the Black and White cards. Weren't yeah, meant but to be you have. I mean, but think, card. but think about it specifically though. With this, right? You have you have ADP, which does you know water and metal. Like that, those are the two archetypes that it can reasonably go into. I mean, we talked about Bird Trio, and that's you know kind of a whole different thing. But like most most efficiently, water or metal types are where this card kind of goes into uh and then you release the new game sword and shield and it's based around metal types and like they're kind of pigeonholed because what they can't make you know zashin and zamazenta you know any other typing like they have to be metal types right uh, they they're can the sword they and the could shield. psychic types i i guess but like <laughs> and then you know you have to make them pretty strong right because they're the freaking faces of the new games so they are kind of like they pigeonhole themselves Again, leading me to say just that these, you could make this argument for a lot of other cards, but particularly for ADP, these are not meant, this card was not meant for this format. Yeah, I mean, I would say that. I would just say, like, if we're actually digesting what's wrong with ADP specifically, like, you can't look at an argument that also applies to all sorts of other cards. It's like a facet of it, but it's not like sure. what's wrong with sure. ADP. No, 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 for sure. And that's not, I'm trying to give like a as holistic sure. overview as I possibly can. Sure. And so... But the, I guess the kind of argument I was making was more so like the fairy weakness was already removed, like regardless if they're printing fairy types or not, because Zashin sure. is just so effective against any fairy type attacker, <laughs> which are all weak to metal, by the way. Um, you could have a behemoth, a 500 HP fairy Pokemon that does 200 damage for two energy or something. <laughs> and it would one-shot that ADP immediately after alter creation every game, and then Zashin would come up and do 520 damage to it, and it would die. So, 
Well, it would need some help to do 520. But well, alter creation, and then it would do 520. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it does get some help, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Crazy. It's just it's unlucky for fairy types, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Um, yeah, for sure. But I think I what I'm trying to digest is I think ADP was problematic anyway pre um, pre format shift and. It was doing pretty consistently well in lots of events. It wasn't winning a ton of them, but it was choking out like pretty large portions of the metagame already before Sword mm-hmm. Shield was ever printed. Um, and I think that's actually true. Like, yeah, the attackers were yeah. weaker, um, but sure. so were the Pokemon. It was generally fighting against. Um, sure. And so, I don't know. I, I I think the card itself it presents it's it's impossible to make a card like that like consistently balanced um i mean when you think of extra prize taking mechanics they're usually on one pokemon and serve themselves you know you have uh what is it deoxys and rickway is a legend you know that Mm -hmm. that was an awesome like powerful card in the context of like decks that could play it but like it could only knock out like it could only knock out and take extra prizes for itself uh you have like the lugia which you know, it was an okay card, and it could only take prizes by itself. You have, like, the, I don't know, like, the Umbreon that did took extra prizes if you knocked out a Mega Pokemon. Only took sure. extra prizes if you used it. Uh, sure. So, like, it's impossible to, like, effectively balance ADP because there's always going to be other cards that are around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, tag teams themselves are already kind of, like, ridiculous. So, <laughs> you know, where's the, where's the line, I guess? Uh, sure. So... You know, you have all these facets. ADP is just an incredibly powerful card. Should ADP be banned? It becomes the next part of that discussion. Um, I'll give my opinion of what should happen, but I'll also preface that, that realistically, I don't think Pokemon is going to ban ADP. I yeah. I was actually completely floored when they banned Belelba and Ricemen in Standard. I was pretty, like, gung-ho that Pokemon doesn't ban cards in Standard, and I'm pretty much still of that belief, so I don't know what really inspired the Belelba thing. Maybe they just wanted to turn to this to have no... No <laughs> like, counter. No, like, quick counter that you could throw into a deck. Because that was just... Sure. That was just seems so random to me. I don't know. Um, yeah. But I, I don't see ADP filling the same niche that they would ban it in standard that Belelba does. Um, I think, you know, they seem to be fine with it. You know, it's... And it's tough because people make these arguments that ADP isn't winning events, which I think is the wrong take. Uh, sure. Because it doesn't matter if it's winning if it chokes out like 40 other decks from existing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, another question that kind of stems off like, should ADP banned is like, should how big should the metagame be? Like, how many decks should there be? Uh, in any one metagame. And I've had in the past, I've had very successful times where the metagame was very small, you know, where you have three decks that really just beat everything else. And, you know, you go back even farther to like when I was first getting into the game where it was just like SP stuff was you, you almost couldn't play anything else but SP if you wanted to try to win that tournament. Um, and so that's a question that I ask you is, how big should a metagame be? Is it good to ban ADP because that makes you know 20 more decks viable? Like, Is that uh, something that a game designer wants sure. for their game? Yeah, and I actually, I am definitely not of the belief that a large metagame is a healthy metagame. Um, that being said... Um, 
and I there's plenty of reasons why that's the case. I'll also just elaborate on that further as well. That so a larger metagame actually can make it much harder to to balance inherently because there's so many extra factors and interactions that you have to account yeah. for. Um, that doesn't mean a large metagame is unhealthy either. Um, and large metagames can be pretty awesome and pretty fun, but it's that's not inherent to like game balance. Right. Um, that being said, um, it's I don't think it's so much the fact that ADP is like I don't know how to like phrase this. I don't know if it's like the reduction of quantity that like makes ADP bad for a metagame, but I think it's more like the effect, the net effect where, you know, it chokes out an entire facet of gameplay where mm. you cannot play entire swaths of Pokemon at all, basically, because ADP will just run them over. Um, sure. And it's not in the it's not in like the typical way where like the deck is just stronger, um, and like you have like an a you know a forty sixty or whatever. But it's like ADP really like <laughs> puts the beating on these four decks, you know, especially these one prize and even two prize decks um, that just can't keep up with the damage output or the prize trading. Um, so I would say the the counterpoint to that is a small metagame can be very good. And like a mirror heavy metagame can be very good. But I don't think mm -hmm. ADP mirrors are fun or good at all. <laughs> I think they're actually quite bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's a point away from ADP. Sure. Um, whereas you compare it to like a mirror, like like a Luxchomp mirror is actually very interesting. You know, and yeah. that was like a wholly dominated metagame. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, there's there's not much interplay. I mean, you're you're right with like an ADP mirror. It's like, okay, well, did you play Dedenne and did you, you know, or did you play Crobat? Like, okay, you lose. Or what you know, really it's trying to keep those things off the board and sometimes again like we were saying in way earlier in the cast, it's like it's almost impossible to yeah. not play down Dedenne and Crobat just because they are so good. Yeah. And I like kind of lost my train of thought, but I was the, oh, here. It is. So the other piece of that is ADP is also just ridiculously straightforward. So I think if you're going to have like a very centered metagame, the deck should be thoughtful and like interesting, you know, mm -hmm. like a metagame that's centered around Zorark is more interesting than a metagame that's centered around ADP because there's more happening sure. and sure. inherently to any card game, the more turns it takes to win, the more opportunities there are for strategic decisions to be made. ADP mm -hmm. is trying to shorten the game to as few, literally as few turns as possible uh, oh. <laughs> to the point where it wins games faster than any of the possible, literally possibly could. So. Yeah. I, I wonder too, I've been thinking about this a lot is what is, well, okay. Obviously I know the significance of like six prizes being your kind of six Pokemon that you would take into battle. Like that is the canonical uh, equivalent in the VGC of having six Pokemon is having uh, six prizes, but there really is kind of a, there doesn't seem to be a real necessary point like to having six prizes. Like six is kind of an arbitrary number because when you look at competitive VGC, they don't necessarily play with six Pokemon. You know, they'll they'll do kind of a, a drafting type system where they'll they'll only bring a certain number at any one time. But six prizes to me doesn't seem, you know, important. It doesn't seem like a valid number. Like they could go up to seven. They could go down to five. Um, it's just an arbitrary number. Um, and so you look at from a game design perspective 
maybe they are. I mean, well, obviously they are like trying to shorten the game. So, you know, you look at ADP's attack, you look at tag teams, you look at the V maxes, giving up three prizes, ending, like you said, half the game by knocking one of them out. And uh, from a design perspective, I, I think they are really hitting their mark if that is what they're trying to do, just shortening these games down. Well, um, I, I disagree. So they are I being successful in I that think way. ADP doesn't achieve that in a healthy way. Where it's yeah. like, you know, the the thing about multi-prize Pokemon is you have the choice. You have the choice to play them down. You have the choice to play them over a different kind of deck that offers less prizes. And that's that's been something inherent to any time we have multi-prize Pokemon. Is you have like the yeah. weaker Pokemon that can trade favorably into larger prize opponents. Uh, and and that's just that you don't have that trade with ADP in the in the format. Um and if if their net effect is to make it so you only play VMAX as an ADP, then I guess then like I, they got their goal. Like that's what the meta is. It's VMAX as an ADP. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't know if that's like actually their goal though, or if that was their intent with printing ADP. Um, so let's let's actually get to the crux of this then. JW, what do you think should happen to ADP? Do you think it has a place in the format? Do you think it should be banned? Do you think it's a bad card but should stay anyway? I think, yeah, yeah, I think ultimately it should be banned. I mean, I will take that stance. Like, I think it should be banned. I think that if you look at the past bans, particularly the the first bans that Pokemon did, things like Archaeops, things like Wally and Force Giant Plants, those are kind of the three that I look to in being similar to ADP in the sense that they uh, really stifle certain archetypes to the point and really all archetypes to the point that they have to be like constructed in a certain way um adp certainly fits that mold on the same or excuse me on the other side of the coin i am happy to play in i'm happy to play this game with adp still in the format i don't think it um you know there, there is about five decks that we'll get to in a second that i think all kind of come to like a a tier one standing or can all compete with ADP reasonably fine. And I don't necessarily enjoy a metagame that's so wide open. I really do like to focus on, you know, a handful of decks and really perfect those lists. So um, yes, I do think ADP should go. However, if they don't choose to ban it, I'll be perfectly content. Sure. And I would largely agree with you there. Um, I think, (laughs) I think the most apt comparison, and we talked about this actually this morning in our group chat, um, I think the most apt comparison is Archaeops. I think Forest and Wally a little less so, because it's more like item lock sure. side of sure. things. Um, sure. But definitely Archaeops is a very similar niche to ADP, where it completely makes certain types of decks unviable. And like, yeah, you can play around it in certain ways, like, you know, versus Archaeops, you could promote Wob, but like, in the, you know, that's not like a real argument and it's this it's the same way like yeah like occasionally like the cephalon will beat an adp deck but that doesn't mean that like one prize decks aren't completely choked out of the game you know <laughs> like, sure um so i think archaeops is a very apt comparison and archaeops got banned in the end uh yes it wasn't expanded but i think the uh, net effect is pretty similar um i think that's a pretty good comparison actually actually that wasn't one i really thought of until you had brought it up so mm. um yeah do I think Pokemon will ban it? I'll reemphasize. I think the answer to that question is still no. Um, and maybe maybe enough people cause enough of a stink that, that they do, but 
I think their inclination is not to. Um, I think they generally want to avoid banning cards in standard. Um, and even in expanded, they are kind of not apt to really ban cards if they don't really have to. So right. my guess is ADP is here to stay. Do I think it's a bannable card? Absolutely. And if you couldn't tell that from the arguments <laughs> and the tone over the last 30 minutes, then I apologize that you're just that dense. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. But um, I, I think it is, you know, I think the arguments are all there. And I think they're yeah. sound um, for why ADP is unhealthy in the metagame. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, so it is. So it is. So it is. And with that uh, concluding there, we have our first segment that we've ever done. This is going to be a recurring thing here on the Tag Team Podcast where we take just a little moment of levity and introduce something to to our listeners that maybe they've never heard about or, or a card that they've never heard before. This is the card of the week here, and uh, Riley's got it this week. Yeah, I was actually I was bouncing between two cards to present this week, um, <laughs> and so I'm gonna go with the more fun one of the two, but I'll just save the other one for next time. So uh, the card I want to talk about is an expanded card, and it's something that's very near and dear to me. And if you paid attention to past episodes in the podcast, you might be able to infer what it is. Um, so JW, I'll kind of describe it for you and. You, I'll let you see if you can come up with it. So okay. this card is a Psychic-type Pokemon. It has an ability that applies a status condition to your opponent. Uh, it was a key component to one of my earliest decks in my career. Oh, Hypno. Yeah, Hypno from Breakpoint. Yes, so, I got it. <laughs> Hypno from Breakpoint. I love that card, man. That I still keep my my reverse holofoil ones in my binder all the time. They're so yeah. great, man. So for the unaware, Hypno from Breakpoint was uh, really the cornerstone of the Darkrai Hypno deck, which was perceived to be the best way to play Darkrai EX prior to its release <laughs> in America. <laughs> which, looking back, is so ridiculous that we anyone ever thought that. Um, so contextualizing the whole story here. Darkrai from Breakpoint had an attack for one darkness and a double colorless, which existed at the time. Who would have thought um, that it's called Dark Head, I think, and it yeah. did 80 damage. And if the Pokemon, the opponent's Pokemon was asleep, it did 80 more damage. So, you know, 160, 170 with Fighting Fury Belt, 180 with Muscle Band, which pretty much was the math at the time. Um, believe it or not, 180 used to be a good amount of damage to hit. <laughs> so. Hypno was the key to that, though. So Hypno had an ability on it called Goodnight Babies, which to this day I think is probably the best ability name in Pokemon. Um, and it put both active Pokemon to sleep, which seems really, really bad. But then you play the Stadium All Night Party, which is probably the best Stadium name in Pokemon history. And it wakes up your active Pokemon and heals 30 damage from it. So this deck was just completely ridiculous. It was, but it was so much fun. And yep. Hypno had this crazy art. It was like almost like drawn in crayon. And yeah, yeah. But it was, I can like, see that it was, right now. That was so awesome. And yeah. you know, it was drawn in this wacky style. It was so crazy looking. There's a bunch of other cards around this time that were drawn in a similar style, and they all kind of like connected to each other. Um, it, I just love that card, man. And it's like that's just the fondest memories I have of Pokemon is. 
just sitting in my dorm room, sophomore year of college, getting my first batch of Pokemon cards in the mail and playing Darkrai Hypno on the floor of my dorm with my roommates against his like Mega Gyarados deck. Like endlessly. Yeah. And that was just so much fun. And I remember I'd be sitting in the room and uh, just plugging away and I'd get like a knock on my door and it was just like a pretty girl coming to ask like if we want to hang out or something or like do homework together and we're like ah no we're like we're we're playing a uh, dark right hypno over here actually <laughs> that's so busted it's such fond memories man and like I I, I really love when Pokemon puts, yeah. like, creative names in things. And literally every card sure. in that deck just had, like, a hilarious name <laughs> attached to it. So. <laughs> yes, You're using true. Goodnight Babies so you could use your All-Night Party Stadium and Darkhead your opponent. <laughs> so ridiculous. Unbelievable. Yeah. Man, so. it, it's crazy to think that that card, yeah, like you said, because I remember that, too. You know, I had been playing for a while at that point and just, like, I remember being skeptical of it, but having friends that were extremely excited Andrew about Wamble, probably. Yep, it was <laughs> Wamble, absolutely. So I you remember how, him. Do you know being, how I know that? How do you know that? Because it, I got I took the list from his Charizard Lounge article. <laughs> <laughs> I changed it a little bit. Oh my god! But that was the first list I like ever like took any from anywhere. It was. Insane. Oh my gosh! I wonder if we can find that. You, you definitely I gotta, can. Yeah. All right. I, yeah, I'll, I'll look that up. I think if you but, search um, All Night Party Charizard Lounge, you'll find it. Uh, but just a hilarious. miraculous time. So I think if I had to distill this card of the week into into like a phrase or a summary sentence, I would say, you know, play Pokemon because you love it and you have fun doing it. Um, find the find the elements <laughs> of the game that to you keep it fun and interesting and make it fun and like no matter what situation you're in and for me at the time that was good night baby's hypno with all night party and dark cry <laughs> that's amazing i love it um so looking ahead here into just the general metagame we do want to give our listeners kind of a brief breakdown of what we've been seeing in the format as it as it stands right now uh, Riley, what are some of the highlights of this format in terms of the archetypes of decks that you've been seeing uh, performing well in the various amount of online tournaments? Sure. So, I mean, ADP consistently does well. Although it hasn't really consistently won, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's probably the most represented deck in every event. So you can't really write it out. Um, one deck that I've seen consistently do very, very well um, has actually kind of surprised me. But not so much like the more I think about it, but at the time it definitely did, was the Mewtwo Welder deck. Yeah. Um, that has been a huge come up. Azul had his sub tournament that it was like four of the top eight or something absurd like that. Um, really just making it itself known. Um, and as a fan of Mewtwo myself, that makes me happy. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I'm, I'm excited to take that for a swing. Um, some other decks that have consistently done well. I think the Lucario Melmetals Ashian is a pretty viable archetype. Uh, it really thrives in a known metagame where you can, you know, build your deck around it. Uh, so in the Players' Cup, a good example of that, you, you had a very small player base, and so you could much easier predict the kinds of decks and builds you would see. And they took full advantage of that, got first and second with Lucario Melmetal. Um, and then, of course, you have mainstays like Eternatus that, consistently do a lot of damage stay at the top i mean you, you can never write off a deck that does 270 damage on turn two 
No, absolutely not. Yeah, that's a that's a good overview. We'll talk talk about Mewtwo Welder a little bit. Um, being kind of that surprise deck for me, where I just died for a format right when we had um uh, dragapult be you know among the best decks yeah that was know, a literally rough time took, for mewtwo fans <laughs> literally took mewtwo out of the equation not so much for i mean the weakness obviously was very you know hard to play around for the mewtwo player but uh, particularly when the Mimikyu was kind of shifting in and out between those lists. It made it really, really difficult because, you know, they could put the damage counter on your Jirachi if you happen to play it, and then all of a sudden you were just getting one shot over and over again. Um, And so that made it really, really hard. Um, The the Welder Mewtwo becoming more of a viable deck, I think really also stems from a lack of ADPZ counter to that. So when ADPZ first was an archetype you had these things to counter the tag team pokemon like vitality band and like shrine of punishment and so those did the extra damage counter that you needed that zashin couldn't quite get to you know maxing out at 260 with the adpgx tech in play right you max out at 260 not quite getting it there against mewtwo so you would need to play you know some kind of damage modifier and now we come into a format where, you know, there aren't really 270 HP Pokemon. And all of a sudden Mewtwo can thrive now because, you know, one matchup that it has, ADPization, can't hit the numbers. And if ADP is the most played deck <laughs> and you have a deck that, you know, get, can withstand a couple of hits, then you're in a good position. So I think that's also part of the reason that Mewtwo has done so well is just that the ADPZ players really haven't respected it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge part. Um, you know, calling even part of the reason almost seems to not do it justice. I think Mewtwo's matchup against ADP decks as they're built right now has served it incredibly well. Um, being able to do that 300 damage on turn two, the Mewtwo special. And, yeah, you know, ADP doesn't have a response, really. As long as you can avoid getting an immediate response knockout on, like, a two-prizer on your bench, then you're pretty much good. Um so I, I think that is the the main reason. Um, Mewtwo, of course, consistently being the deck that has the most tools available to it, the most attacking options. So obviously tends to do well in a wide open metagame, especially in these like early developing metagames where it can play a lot of attacks and kind of finagle its way through a lot of different matchups. I won't be surprised. And I mean, if I was playing ADP, I would do this as well to especially in the current metagame where Jirachis have to be moved with stuff like Scoop Up Nats and Switch. Um, I think just including like Zigzagoon or a Vitality Band or something like that. I mean, sure. you know, Mewtwo's can play uh, Big Charm. I mean, you can play, I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole forever. Like Mewtwo's are going to play Big Charms and then you're going to play like Tool Scrappers or you're going to play Mimikyu or whatever else. Like it's going to, there's going to be some back and forth elements to it. Um, but I think ADP will have to think about more actively what it can do against Mewtwo if it wants to be able to stand a chance in that matchup consistently. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any other decks that you look to, Riley, as being uh, near the top of the metagame or at least contenders amongst the uh, the four decks that you talked about being Welder Mewtwo, ADPZ, Eternatus, and Luke Metal? Um, I think one that's kind of like on the fringe is another Welder deck in Scorch. I don't think it's as good as Mewtwo. But I think it has some really interesting options. Um, the Volcanians are really solid one fives attacker, um, especially against those like wacky kind of countery decks. Like Volcanian runs train on Decidueye decks, for example. Um, sure. 
And I think Santa Scorch, I've I've talked about it before. I think Santa Scorch is actually better than it was pre-rotation. Um, you know, I, I kind of ragged on Santa Scorch a little bit pre-rotation, not as much as you, but <laughs> still a little bit. Um, I, I think it is a little bit better now. Um, if it gets like the turn one, Valk going second, that's really good. Um, and if it can take a hit, then it'll usually snowball the game pretty hard. Um, so you really have to find quick answers to Santa Scorch to be able to consistently stand a chance in the matchup, as long as they're not whiffing. Um, sure. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's like the, the best deck in the format. I don't know if it really stands up with the rest of those decks, but I think it's pretty good. You know, I wouldn't hate on it. Okay, I am of an opposite opinion. I just think Santa Scorch is pretty stinky. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to play a Wilder deck that wasn't Mewtwo, I would rather play Baby Lucephalon. Sure. Um, which also lost a very important tool in Fiery Flint. But, yeah, I mean, it's not like... It doesn't completely wipe it out of the game. The hardest part with Lucephalon right now is getting those initial attacks off. And so what yeah. I've seen most lists do is sort of air towards, like, leading with a Heat Ran and Victini and things like that to get energy on the board and the discard pile and still do damage because mm -hmm. i feel like now it's actually way easier to get energy out of the discard than the deck <laughs> with, with fiery flint god yeah absolutely <laughs> well you still have fire crystal and you still have retrieval yeah so really yeah you're right it's all about just digging it out and uh getting it to the discard pile to be able to use it so it's kind of a shift there with baby blue cephalon like you always in the past you did want it in the discard pile as well because fire crystal is just so strong but um you know like you said you had that fiery flint you could draw it out of the deck that was more of a you could be more aggressive now you kind of have to take a more calculated approach yeah and i've been a big baby cephalon fan for the past little while um i just love playing the deck it's very fun it's uh, kind of relaxing, you know? <laughs> you're, just, you're just like, yeah, toss these all in the discard pile, and I guess you're dead or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I'm just logging on a TCGO and just want to play a couple games and not think about it too yep. hard, I always play Baby Stuff 1. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's just it's one of the most satisfying ones, you know, because you get in those situations where you're like, you end the game, and you got, you know, nine energy in the discard pile, you got three fiery flints, and you're, you know, you got one prize left to take, and you just go, yeah, or, like uh, you got uh, crystals, you got three crystals, you're like, crystal, 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 you know, get those nine energy, just blow them up. And that's, that's just, it's so fun to do beautiful. extra, extra energy at yeah. the end of the game. <laughs> I love Especially that. on like a little peon Pokemon, you know, you got like a little Skrelp or, uh, you know, <laughs> Golisopod or something. I don't know where yeah. Skrelp came to my head. Is there even a legal... Well, that's just my favorite. That's my favorite Pokemon name. Skrelp is a good name. For, for comedy. Yeah. A friend... Yeah. That I, I think you probably planted this in my mind, but... Uh, a friend of mine was asking what they should name like a kitten they're gonna get, and what came to mind for me instantly was Skrelp. <laughs> I think Skrelp would actually be a, like a cool name for a little kitten. Skrelp, huh? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Hey, Nick, right. Well, I'll keep it in mind for my next my next cat. Yeah, your next cat Skrelp. is definitely becoming a Skrelp. Oh, for sure. <laughs> or like that'll be like its official name, and then like Anne will have to rename it, like give it a nickname or something. Yeah. So, so I'll pose that to you, though. What other kind of niche decks do you have your eye on? Yeah, I mean, I've always loved Inteleon. And that seems if you have watched any content creator over the last week, it's kind of actually turned into a little bit of a joke where everyone is playing Inteleon. And, you know, Tord goes into top four of the uh, Players' Cup playing Inteleon. It's just been kind of a meme 
that's been kind of poked fun at just because it seems like everyone is, oh my gosh, now with rotation, you know, Intellion can be played. But, uh, you know, I was I was always a proponent of Intellion. The, the, the real ones out there know that I have always loved Intellion. And um, yeah. now that we don't have Pikaram, now that we don't really have a viable lightning attacker, that was what I consider to be the biggest thing holding it back. Um, you know, you're, you're definitely going to struggle with a few of the decks out there. Um, Eternatus comes to mind as being just a very uh, difficult matchup, them being able to outpace you in terms of damage for, you know, a relatively cheap cost and then being able to accelerate to themselves is uh, really tough. So, uh, but aside from that, I mean, you have decent matchups. Um, you know, you can beat ADP. I think that's one of the better matchups for the deck. So, you, you know, you look into a, an ADPZ heavy metagame and certainly a deck like Inteleon can thrive. <laughs> Beautiful. I mean, who doesn't want to throw out an Inteleon? I know I do. That, that's what I'm saying, bro. That's, <laughs> and you got all this fire stuff. Like, people are clinging to their Senta Scorches, like, praying that they wake up and one day Senta Scorch is a good deck. <laughs> and uh, you just you eat those people. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> eat those people <laughs> any other decks on the on the fringe that are coming out to you um i just i don't know i've been having a lot of fun doing the speed run challenge if you guys haven't seen it on my youtube i've been uploading the uh vods of uh some of the most hilarious parts of them but i really actually enjoyed playing butterfree <laughs> it was That's that sick, was man. a fun <laughs> that was a fun one too. For some reason, like the um, the status conditions really trick me. They really trick me. I always try to make you know confusion work or like poison. The like I try one. to make that work, <laughs> and it usually doesn't because you think about the you know you think about confusion. Like I think in my mind when I confuse the opponent, I'm like, oh yeah, they definitely cannot attack next turn. But in reality, it's like they have a 50-50 shot of, you know, being able to attack or they could find a switch or they could have Bird Keeper so or, you know, one of the... <laughs> What's that? So it's more than 50-50. Yeah. yeah, so, well, yeah, more than 50-50 for them to actually get an attack off. But in my brain, it's like I'm like, oh, I got them now. <laughs> I got them now. They're done. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, so... I can I can relate to that, though. So it's like they me, would the never, they would like... never attack through this confusion here. Yeah, and then they do, and they knock you out, and you're like, well, well, dang, they were just stupid. You know, it wasn't that my deck was bad. It, it was, was like completely suboptimal play. for them to attack. <laughs> Cannot believe they attacked through confusion. Oh, they always, and that's that's when you go to your friends between rounds at regional. They always have it, man. He flipped heads on the confusion. Uh, I flipped heads on the confusion. I've seen one tail. <laughs> One? Why can't I get one tail? You have to switch every time. I stared at the two. You have to switch. <laughs> so, Butterfree. Yeah, I I know that uh, Israel Sosa did perform well in some online tournament. I'm I'm blanking on the name, but uh, you know maybe making Butterfree somewhat viable with his list, his particular <laughs> list. So that is a two note. That it has performed well one time in one online tournament. Star. Say what? Butterfree's a rising star for sure. It is, yes. But yes, I am always seduced by the status conditions. Is Butterfree your favorite deck that came out of the uh, the speed run? Yeah, I would say so. Or the Mew deck. I mean, it's always fun when you are one-shotting things with Porygon. Uh, because when it all works, it's so beautiful. 
You know, when you can get all the energy on, because then it like your opponent has to make this choice where do they attack into like a support Pokemon or do they attack into your attacker? And then, yeah. you know, sometimes they maybe make the wrong choice and then you just body them and you can one shot. That's a lot of fun as well. I love the Porygon based decks and playing Porygon with Mew, although it is worse than Whimsicott, it's still, you know, it's still a really fun deck. Yeah. I will say, um, I do like Porygon decks, but I'm getting a little bit disillusioned by them just because I feel like there's so many variations that I've seen of Porygon, and they all basically are the same in the last sure. in the last like week and a half, two weeks. It's like you know, and maybe this is just because I watch Andrew stream too much. <laughs> he play, he loves Porygon, but you know, there's the Maractus, there's the Blissey, which is now rotated. There's Mew, there's Salamence. It's like you know, you're, you're just playing Porygon or Cycle Energy. <laughs> 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 sure. So sure. I'm getting a little disillusioned at Porygon. Oh, for sure. For but sure. I, I, do, the, I do love the Porygon decks. Count of Money says Flapple Sableye. Uh, he definitely bodied me with uh, his version of that deck, which was very, very fun using Flapple to spread damage counters and Sableye to, you know, accelerate with Turbo Patch and just go in for one shots. That was a very cool deck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I mean, it's it's been a... It's been a fun time exploring and uh, this new format, and I hope that I'll maintain this kind of joy that I, that I currently feel playing the game because I, I do feel like the game has been fun for me. And I don't know. I, I think a lot of people have been really kind of negative towards the format, particularly in regards to ADP, but I don't quite feel that way. I still feel like there are things that we can explore, things we can do, archetypes to create, and counters to find. So... Um, I do think this I've, format is more fun than the pre-rotation. Um, yeah. I, I will stand by that. Um, I, I do have one other question about the speed run before we completely move away. Do you think Pedro is going to steal away your world record for Darkness of Blaze? Bro, I don't know, man. I don't know if he is. I was watching today. Well, okay, so the thing, the thing that separated me from Pedro was that he started over like two or three times. Oh, he's I can't going, remember. He's going for it. I know he like he's tryharding it really. Like he's tryharding it, and I get I, that's respect, man, respect. But he did restart a couple of times. That's all I'm saying. I mean, that's the art I'm of not, speed running, right? Like, no, I know you. I guess you can do that. I just I'm just saying. I I got mine on the first try, and uh, <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good record. I thought I thought four and a half hours was like pretty good. He's probably gonna beat it. I think he has me by about ten minutes right now. Yeah, well, I was watching. I was watching one of your games. I I've watched all the all the YouTube uploads so far, um, and some I sometimes I think your game actions themselves weren't optimized. You know, that's a that's the key of a speed run. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. No, 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 absolutely. There, some of the things that I was doing were like not the best, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's it's you just got to go fast, and sometimes you just don't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I understand. So. I, was, I just remember I was watching and I'm like, man, your split, just attack, man. Just attack. Oh, yeah, no, for <laughs> You're sure. You're like debating about which thing you attack. I'm like, who cares? Just attack. <laughs> There's definitely some drama there. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, so let's open right. it up. I think we're, yeah. we've hit the time. So, we chat, uh, people watching live, feel free to post questions if you got them. We'll take three to four questions before we wrap up today. We really appreciate all your viewership as we head into the third season of Tag Team. Couldn't have made it this far without all of your support. 
Uh, really can't express our appreciation enough. If you're listening on a podcasting platform, be sure to leave a review. It makes us easier to discover. Uh, boosts us up in the hidden ranking systems that they have there as you interact more with our material. The algorithm. The algorithm. As it were. <laughs> the algorithm. That's what we're going to be controlled by, man. People are like, oh, you know, computers are going to control us. Well, to an extent, I think it's going to be more the algorithm is going to decide who should be controlled and who should be let free. So just make sure you're in good standing with the algorithm. And you and can do that by leaving a review for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make sure that we don't get controlled by the computer overlords by leaving a review. So, yeah, that's, that's for sure. Exactly. how absolutely. it works. I had one uh, question that got posed in my discord and I'll read it here quickly. Sorry. I had to, I had another screen open, but um, talking about just current current decks, is there anything that you haven't tried yet that you want to try uh, that you think maybe could be you know a tier two or you know tier three deck or something that you just think could have some place in the metagame, but maybe that you haven't tried yet or that you haven't seen anyone else try? Um, there's like two things I'm thinking of. Uh, I want to try every single Vmax because I think they're all similar enough where they have like potential amongst each other um, yeah so i kind of want to mess with all of them and i haven't messed with very many yet um really only played with the mainstays but i want to get down in the weeds with like the stone journers and the laprases and the <laughs> and the butterfreeze and all those guys yeah um the other answer to this question is i want to try some post row picarat man <laughs> i i know electropower is a shame uh, Thunder Mountain's a shame, but you know maybe there's like some world where accelerating a bunch of energy and like wrapping up with a bolt on is like a viable strategy. I don't know. What do you think makes it? What do you think makes it good? Like I just worry that it struggles to get. You know, I mean, I you think know. about just certain matchups. Ionia says Mahone was playing post rotation Pikaram today. Kind of bad. I'm just picturing like. You accelerate with a full blitz, and then you, yeah. you then you attack with like two bolt hunts or something. Okay, yeah. So then the prize trades are are it's more ADP in your favor, right? <laughs> ADPS prize. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think just not being able to reach up to those high numbers is just gonna. Yeah, hurt I you mean, it's probably it's probably not great, but I, you asked what I wanted to try. Uh, that's something I want to try. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Mass Dave says, I feel like one VMAX being slept on now, that could be a that uh, we have a slight more uh, acceleration options for it. Could be Val- Malamar VMAX. Haven't seen a single person try it. Don't worry. When I when I eventually test every VMAX to its optimal potential, Malamar will no doubt be a part of that list. <laughs> I think VMAXs are kind of cool in the sense that they are, um, I mean, we're at the earliest block of them. So like they're a little bit more vanilla. And I think, you know, the more that we see, I think the, you know, they're obviously just getting more text added to them, you know, the farther in that we go. And so, yeah, it kind of feels cool to play VMAXs in the sense that you could almost choose any VMAX and just kind of like make a deck around it. And they all kind of look similar. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, we were talking about this earlier in our chat where it was like, do you want red VMAX or do you want blue VMAX? You know? 
I so. I will go on record and saying that I think all the VMAXs are basically the same Pokemon card, but in different <laughs> colors. <laughs> and it, it, I think the VMAXs themselves are like occupy similar-ish levels of power, but it's it's the support around them that like actually yeah. makes them good. Yeah. I'll stand by that. I, I think that's true. Fair enough. As an, as an anti-VMAX kind of guy, but who still wants to try them all because they're kind of You cool. want to try them all, but you hate them. Yeah, I, I do not love, like... It's v a love-hate relationship. I don't like VMAXs as, like, card design and cards in general, but, I mean, heck, heck I want to try every every single color. Sure. Sure. <laughs> you know. Sure. You know? Oh. Uh, Leon asks, when do you think live events are going to start up again? Probably not for another year, man. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm they're guessing... Try I know they're trying it in other card games. If I... If I remember right, like Magic is, I don't want to misspeak, but I thought I heard somewhere that Magic is starting an online or a, an in-person type event. Yeah, I just don't see anything like sustainably happening until there's a vaccine, which I don't see that happening until at least late 2021. Yep. So, yep. So, I mean, I think there are some local card stores, but I think even those won't probably be the norm, at least until certainly until next year and probably not even till like midway through next year. I would also just advise against it. Like, even if you're taking the best precautions for yourself, like you can't guarantee that from every single person that's going to those kind of things. So, sure, sure. I, but at the same time, I mean, if you're unconcerned with that and you're in a group of people that is also unconcerned, I mean, well, there are some I, things. I would counterpoint that and say like it doesn't really matter if you're concerned because like your your web extends to other people who might be concerned. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Okay. Be responsible is all we're trying to say but at the same time i think for mental health for some people um it might be worth the risk uh, I, I the mental health <laughs> argument to me i think i think you should do you know you should do what's right for you but i i would restrict your gatherings to like very small like intimate circles yeah um, with people who you know have been similarly responsible to yourself sure that that's that's probably a good way to put and, you it. Know, well. you know when you when you're thrust into your card game environment like you don't actually know like who could be there or you know what they did in the hour before showing up even um, sure so i i would generally advise like against putting yourselves in those scenarios but um you know if you want to play with like your very close group of friends who have all been yeah. responsible and social distanced and you know play cards for a couple hours like you know i i can't fault you for that you know i yeah. understand like it's hard not to not well to and anyone. and one of the hardest things to um just being social is that when you get with somebody that you haven't seen in a while or even somebody that you have seen in a while that you just enjoy being around and like you you know in your mind that oh you know i should stay you know x number of feet away from them and i should wear my mask and um you know, i should do all the take all these precautions like a lot of times you just let your guard down around those types of people you know, and so that's one of the things that um, that it's just a, an unintended consequence, I guess, of like getting with other people is like you're just going to kind of be a little bit more lax around the people that, you know. So um, as much as we could say, you know, you know, that that you could maybe go to an event or, or go to a, a, a shop if it was socially distanced and, um, you know, if all these precautions were taken, I think a lot of times and I find myself slipping into these. Uh, maybe bad habits, but just like when you get with somebody that you're very comfortable with, you can often, you know, let that comfortability, you know, open up into into the guidelines that you've set for yourself in terms of uh, anti-COVID measures. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, I would say if you're walking away with this 
from today's episode with anything, I would say, you know, continue to stay safe and healthy and, and also express that empathy for, for other people. Um, because your actions don't just affect yourself in the context of the situation that we're dealing with. It's true. Any last words, JW, before we take it away? It's been a great week. Guys, thank you so much again for listening to this episode. I've had a lot of fun. Awesome. Appreciate all you guys' listenership. I'll say it one more time. And good night, my babies. <laughs>